Hey guys, Rich Beto here, former drummer Finger Eleven in St. Sonia, and you're listening to my brother Bill on Boondoggle. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this intro before the intro of our today's Boondoggle radio show. Uh, as you know, we're a veteran-owned and operated podcast, and this has been an incredibly therapeutic journey for me as a veteran that struggles with PTSD and anxiety, just getting out and talking to people. But uh, it does cost us some money, so if you feel so obliged to donate to our GoFundMe, we have a GoFundMe under Today's Boondoggle. We also have a Venmo at Today's Boondoggle that you can donate to. Uh, our anchor sponsorship at anchor.fm forward slash today's boondoggle uh, any questions comments suggestions complaints you can email us at today's boondoggle at gmail.com and please follow us on our social media sites at, uh, at today's boondoggle on instagram facebook twitter all your uh, social media platforms as well as our youtube channel our rumble channel and our BitChute channel please follow subscribe comment and download and please consider checking out our sponsors. If you uh, support our sponsor, Dream Nutrition, you can receive 10% off your order by using the promo code BOONDOG10 at checkout. So Dream Nutrition, they're a veteran-owned and operated company as well, so please support them and receive 10% off using the promo code BOONDOG10. Thanks for your time, and thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated entertainment cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news, entertainment information and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for tuning into the show here at Domain Cleveland. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's boondoggle. And man, you got to bring God in the room before you do a lot of this stuff. Um, so real quick, I, I had my, my, my setup. I got to do it, man. Back in the concert promotion days, they used to call me Dollar Bill. But today it's all about the buck. And you know what? In today's economy, we're not worth two rusty pennies, are we? <laughs> just, sometimes just sing that way, yep. <laughs> yeah. But my buddy... My friend, Mr. Bucky Suds, so Dave Buckner, is joining me today. How you doing, Dave? Hey, brother. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. And how crazy is that? The whole setup for this interview was just, like, it, insanity, right? That's the only way I can really explain it. Well, just like we, we were talking about, the days of planning and trying to make it happen and everything. And it wasn't until we just, you know, we were like, hey, God, man, what do you want with this? Let's tell, well, let's, let's break it down real quick. So we've been planning it. You've been planning on, you're trying to get me on here for like months, right? Yeah. You're like, come on, I got to get you on the podcast. Get you and then we set up a day uh, in January. Then I got sick. Right. And that, that knocked me out for a couple weeks. Then the next day we planned was uh, just this Monday. Um, 
and then we go to we go to the like literally this day I'm supposed to do the interview. My my son had uh, hurt his knee at school, and I had to take him to the doctor. So I'm like, hey man, I got to postpone the interview. Got to take my kid to the doctor. Then today we tried to log on earlier, and nothing was working. I couldn't hear you. I was freezing. You were freezing. My so I literally I I, I live out here in Idaho, right? So I I'm what on uh, I like to refer as farmer net. We don't have the high speed, at least in my in my neighborhood, they don't have high speed internet because I'm living a semi rural uh, community. So our our internet our internet comes on the phone line. That's about as good as it gets, right? And usually we can we can get enough to make it work. But uh, so I go to log on today and nothing's working. So I literally unplugged everything, my computer, the router, restarted everything, did the whole you know, the whole uh, power cycle, I guess is what they call it. Did that, yeah. and even with that, I was getting like two megs of bandwidth. I'm like, that's not enough to run a, a, a live stream interview. And so I was talking to Bill here, and I said, hey, man, maybe it's just not meant to be for me to be on the podcast. I don't know. Maybe God's trying to tell me something. You know, I, I tend to live my life fourth dimensionally now, and I always pay attention to what the universe is trying to, uh, was trying to lay out in front of me. And then as soon as I, and you, and then we kind of both came to a consensus. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just not going to happen. And I said, you know what, let me just try this one last time. And sure enough, like now I'm getting 50 megs of bandwidth. Everything's running fine. I'm like, maybe it was just meant for us to have that conversation and bring God into this and talk yeah, about we, it. <laughs> I mean, uh, we, we talked when, when you called me Monday so we could try and set it up this week. And, you know, it was just divine intervention because I was in a slump in my head and everything. And I needed a brother that to uh, help help pull me out of it. And we had a great conversation about gratitude and everything. And, uh, you know, it's just like, I mean, another reason why I'm so grateful that like this past year, I've developed a friendship with you. Um, and we'll get into a lot of that stuff, or how kind of how that's come to be. But uh yeah, you know, it's just like we got we we need those reminders of you know that God's got to be a part of our day, you know, for our day to be anything. And I even picked my wardrobe today for you, man. Spiritual AF, you know. Nice, nice. And I got my uh when I was out in Idaho, my higher ground from Sun Valley hat on. So it was just like, go. dude, I'm all set for this to happen with you. But it's a beautiful country, man. I, I would I would deal with the shady internet just to have you know, where you're at, man. Cause that peace of mind is great, but, uh, absolutely. It's priceless, priceless. But, uh, you know, usually when I have somebody on for the first time, I like to get a little bit of a background. So originally, what did you want to be when you grew up, man? You know, uh, if I'm being honest, I, um, the first thing I ever really wanted to be was a fighter pilot. And, uh, well, and I'll tell you why, because I used to watch this uh, cartoon as an anime cartoon called Robotech, right? Yeah. Uh, back in the eighties. And I used to really just, I just used to really enjoy watching, you know, like all the, all the planes and the, the robots and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, me, you know, maybe when I grow up in the future, they'll have stuff like that and I can fly one, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, so that, and, um, I had talked about, yeah, I told my parents that I wanted to, I wanted to fly fighter jets. Yep. But, uh, that didn't last too long. That didn't last. Then I discovered rock and roll and, uh, everything else went out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask then like, when was it, what, what kind of music was it that kind of pulled you in and then what led to drums for you? Okay. So 
like music has been around my whole life. You know what I mean? I, um, I was born in LA. I originally come from there. Um, and my first concert ever was, I'm trying to remember the year. I believe it was 1983, uh, Jackson five tour it was the victory tour at Dodger stadium in LA. And uh, my parent, my, not my parent, my mom, cause she was a single mom. Then she took me out with me and, and a few, uh, few other family members we went to go see the show and it was my first concert ever like what a first concert to have right jackson five yeah. so it was like michael jackson and all that and come to find out years later um i was talking with my homie dryden mitchell from from alien ant farm and uh that was his first concert too we were both there i'm like dude what what if we were like sitting right next to each other we didn't even know it you know and then all these years later like you know we're really good friends it's pretty pretty wild um, but so that was my first show that I ever, that I ever saw. And my mom was a huge music fan. She used to have a, like a 1960 something Ford Falcon with an eight track. And she would, she had a Pink Floyd, the wall on repeat. And I would hear it every time I was in the car and that I heard it so much that it literally ingrained itself into my subconscious. You know, it was it, that, that album is one of my first memories of hearing music literally. And, um, Another thing was uh, my aunt, my aunt Alice, she, uh, she was, uh, my family's from like the west side of LA. So like Venice, Culver City, Santa Monica. And um, my aunt went to Venice High School and it, or at that time, Suicidal Tendencies was a local band. And um, my aunt used to babysit me every now and then. And we would literally, uh, she used to take me out on, on the handlebars of her cruiser as a I want to say I was around five or six years old. We would go see local punk shows in Venice. Like she'd take me to backyard parties, you know, uh, punk venues, like, you know, these like, you know, little, you know, like you're, you're kind of like punk squatter type, you know, those kind of shows, right. They're like in someone's someone's living room or something. And, uh, and uh, one time she, so the way she tells the story is that uh, she took me to, um, I believe it was Suicidal Tendencies and this uh, punk band called Beowulf, and I forget who else was uh, was there, but she's there's three bands um, at the um, Culver Community Center, the Culver Vet, uh, Veterans Hall. And so she's like, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but yeah, like I took you to see Suicidal, you know, back when you were like five years old. I was like, no shit. And like, I'm, if I really dig deep enough, I may have some vague memories, but um but yeah, I have to take her for a word, man. But like, I, yeah, I used to get around, dude. Get around in the Southern California punk, or at least the Venice, California punk rock scene as a little, little tiny grommet. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, and then coming up, we my band, Papa Roach, had the opportunity to open for Suicidal quite a few times. And uh, I got to I got to tell Mike, you know, that story. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. So Nice. He got a kick out yeah. of that? Yeah. So, so let's like, see, what, what, what brought me to drums? Yeah. Okay. Um, another another influ- musical influence my aunt had on me was uh, she used to have a vinyl and CD collection, right? And um, I would go over to her house as a kid. Like this is probably more, um, I want to say late late elementary school. So I'm, I'm maybe like 10, 11 years old. And she had a CD collection that had like Metallica and Black Sabbath and The Doors and what else Dio. she had Dio on vinyl holy diver she had i think ride the lightning on vinyl 
and just a few other albums. So like, you know, she was, she was, a uh, you know, she was a, a music, music junkie, you know, like, like, like me. And, um, and, uh, I went over there. I remember looking at the album covers, like looking at the album cover of like master of puppets or like ride the lightning or like Holy diver. And like, just being scared, scared because I was, I was young and I didn't understand. I was like, what is this? What am I looking at? And then I'm like, I want to hear what this is. And then I put it on. I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So discovering bands like that, you know, and then shortly after that, I developed my own taste in music. Um, I, uh, I was a member of the Columbia house, uh, 10 CDs for a penny, uh, subscription service. Oh yeah. And I, I remember or my first order from there was, I think I ordered uh Jimi Hendrix, are you experienced, uh, Led Zeppelin four, Led Zeppelin houses of the Holy, the doors, LA woman, and I had never heard these albums before, but I knew because my aunt had some, you know, had some uh, CDs of her own. You know what I mean? I'm like, I knew the names, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily know hear these particular albums. And uh, then I got them. And um, let's see what else. Oh, uh, Beatles. I discovered the Beatles around the same time. So Sgt. Pepper's, I think, was the first Beatles album I heard. And there was a song called Day in the Life. Um, I don't know if you guys know what that song is. And I remember listening to that song and just listening to just everything, the production and the drums and all of it. And I think it was that moment where I was like, I want, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to, I want to make this, you know what I mean? Like, this is my, this is my moment of, of, uh, of clarity where I was like, dude, I want to do this, this, you know, that's it. And, um, uh, early influence in drums. So I think I think my my beginning my my inspiration for playing drums was probably like Ringo Starr, you know what I mean? Because I just really dug like his style. And then um, and then I discovered John Bonham, and that was uh, he's like my drum guru, right? Like that was I used to I basically learned how to play drums. I only took lessons for like a year. Um, like I started playing when I was around twelve, and I took lessons for a year, but uh, and then I kind of dropped out of it. I was in school band too, also in junior high. I was in school band, school orchestra. But my main education was um, using um, my headphones. I had a Walkman with some cassettes on it. Uh, I had like Led Zeppelin or whatever. And um, or I would use my my CD player. You know, I think uh, I think I had a disc man, or I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's like if I used the disc man or my my uh, my uh, my sh- book, you know, bookshelf CD player, but I would play along with uh, the Led Zeppelin songs. I would try to play along with like um, Physical Graffiti and um, Houses of the Holy, like those albums, and then obviously Led Zeppelin Four. But uh, it's weird. It's interesting because that was my experience. But then years later, um, I hear like Dave Grohl tell his story, and he has this like the same story, like. He did the same thing. That's how he learned how to play drums, like playing along with John Bonham. So I'm not the only one. It's not a, it's not a unique story, but that's that's my story too. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, man. And I'll tell you what, those Columbia House guys were like running a drug dealer game, dude. They they hook you in with the pennies, and then you know, oh, the next one's gonna cost you, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> paying through the nose, man. And then you could, and then it was hard to cancel the service. I don't know if you remember that. Like you go, yeah, because they're like cancel any time. And then yeah, but try canceling, man. You're like on the phone with people and trying to whatever. They didn't. The internet wasn't around at that time, so you had to call. You had to call yeah, the yeah. Uh, 
or, or, or check the box on the, on the, uh, on the uh, invoice or whatever and be like, I want to cancel. And then they wouldn't cancel. They keep sending you CDs and invoices. Yeah. Like, dude, yep. <laughs> you're burning all my allowance money. I didn't, you know, I didn't even want this record. But, uh, you know, so then you started learning to play and then, uh, you, you know, you went to those, uh, those shows in the, in the living rooms and stuff like that. When was it when yeah. you started getting to do some of your shows? Um, in junior high, I started a, uh, I had a band of those, you know, like our school had two bands. Um, and I even forget, I forget the name of my band, but I know the other band in school was called Alibaba and Your Mama. <laughs> but, uh, but my band had a couple guys in it. Um, it was, uh, I was the drummer and then the guitar player was this kid, Amir, who uh, ends up, he, turns out years later he plays in uh julian from the strokes has a, a side project called uh called uh what are they called the uh oh man i forget what they're called but uh anyway he plays guitar with him so like he ended up he ended up you know getting into music too and that's what he does but he had a really cool band too uh back in the day with uh uh it was called jogger and that was like uh, after we had, but we were in a band together in junior high. But anyway, that, that's yeah, just me reminiscing. So, and then um, my family ended up moving to Northern California just as I was going into high school. I was supposed to go to Santa Monica High School, and I was really excited because they have a great drum corps program. I was looking forward to do that. Um, but you know, God had other plans for me, and my family ended up moving to Northern California to to Vacaville, and uh, I had a series of. Uh, startup bands there I, I had a few bands i had like a a postmodern new wave kind of band that i had uh, with some buddies and it was called nude and then i, I started a like a dead milkman inspired punk band i was uh, they rank they wrangled me in like uh we were called uh, chernobyl kids that was that was another band i was in early in high school and then i met this kid i was a uh, i was uh, i used to play football in high school because um I was, I was always like a big kid, you know what I mean? And, and when I got to, when I got to Vacaville and we went to school orientation, like the coaches kind of scouted me out. They're like, Hey man, we need you. We need you to play football. You know, we need you on that line. You know what I mean? You're a big guy. And I didn't, I've never been into sports or anything, but I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll try it out and see if I like it. I never liked, I never enjoyed playing football, man. Like maybe a couple moments out of the entire three years I was playing. But the one thing, there's a couple things I'm grateful for. Number one, it taught me how to be a team player and, and how to stay in my lane and do my job. Cause I know if I do what I'm supposed to do, you know, the play will run, right. You know what I mean? Hopefully if everyone does their job correctly, you know what I mean? And, uh, we have a uh, potential to, uh, to gain some yardage, you know, win the game and so that, yeah, taught me how to be a team player. It got me in shape, you know, um, cause we did weight training and conditioning and all that. So I'm grateful for that. And the last thing and final thing, and the most important, I ended up meeting this kid on the practice field one day named Jacoby and uh, Jacoby played bass actually. And him and I started this band where we're like, dude, let's start a band. Like you, like I play drums. He's like, dude, I play bass. We're like, cool, let's start a band. So we uh, started this band. I think we jammed maybe once or twice and then his bass got stolen. His bass got stolen. And he's like, dude, I spent all my money at the pawn shop, like all the, you know, the disposable income that I had 
to, I use that to buy the space. I don't have money to replace it. And I was like, bro, why don't you just sing? It's free. <laughs> and so he's like, cool. All right, I'll be the singer and we'll find a bass player. And so we found this bass player, uh, a local uh, kid who just moved up from, um, from uh, Southern California himself. He moved from Norco. His name was Will James. And when Will, Jacoby, and I got together, uh, we started a garage band called Papa Roach. And the rest is history. Yes, yeah. it is. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, talk about that, those early days, you know, Papa Roach um, getting together and playing. I mean, you were those, you were kind of that band. You became like the suicidal tendencies playing the small clubs, starting to, you know, build you know, build momentum and cut your teeth or whatever. Um, for sure. For sure. I mean, it, it, it took a minute, you know I mean? We started as just a garage band, like kids making noise in the garage, literally. I mean, like sometimes we practiced in my garage. Sometimes we were at Jacoby's mom's garage. Um, pretty quick after we started the band, we, uh, we recruited our, uh, our guitar player, Jerry Horton. We ran through a, a couple, a couple uh, guitarists, and then we found Jerry. We had to convince him to uh, to join the band because at the time we were more of a um, like experimental and funk inspired kind of thing. Like we, you know, we we're just making noise. And, and Jerry was definitely a um, a more focused and more. Uh, he was very like intense about his musical taste. And I know he loved Metallica and uh, Nine Inch Nails and. What was another band like Skinny Puppy and Front Two Four Two? Some of those early industrial bands, and uh, but I know he was a huge Metallica fan, and so he's like this metal guitar player, and we're like, dude, come jam with us. He's like, I don't think it's really for me, man. You know, I don't, I don't yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm more metal. You guys are funk and stuff, and 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 uh, I don't know if it's gonna work, but we finally convinced him to come over to my garage, and as soon as he plugged in, man, it was like, all right. Like we got something, you know what I mean? And uh, we we play, you know, we spent the first couple years like kind of just playing in people's backyards, you know, uh, coffee shops, you know, garage parties, that kind of thing. And then I, I stepped away for a minute because I went to art school in Seattle and and I was gonna leave the band. And, and uh, I was like, all right, guys, you know, I'm gonna go to art school. I gotta drop out of the band and, and you guys gotta find another drummer. So I had left and I was about one semester into art school in Seattle. And I, I had this epiphany uh, one day, one morning, it was one rainy morning in Seattle. I was, I was uh, my, my school housing apartment was overlooking the parking lot um, this parking lot of this coffee shop called Sit and Spin, and across the street from Sit and Spin was Bad Animal Studio. And I would see, I would see, you know, people walking in and out all day, you know. And I knew it was a music studio, and I would just watch them come in. Sometimes they're, you know, schlepping gear in or just, you know, doing their business. And I was like, dude, those people are doing what I want to be doing. And one morning I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do art school. I want to go back to. I want to go back home and get in a band. I get back in my band. And so I, um, I came home and I convinced the guys to let me back in the band. And then, uh, we found Tobin Esperance, uh, pretty quick after that. And it was after we found Tobin that our sound really just started coming together and dialing in. Um, and that's when, um, 
it was it was then shortly after then like we played our first club show in la we did like a showcase at i want to say it's called the dragonfly the dragonfly club in la that was our first official like club gig um and then um we took tobin uh we took tobin with us and um and did that and we came home and i and i got on the phone pretty quick in the early days i was the manager uh, of the band and i would uh just call and pester like clubs like berkeley square and the cattle club in sacramento and pretty much anywhere that i, I at that time you like used to be able to like get like a you know flip through like zines and they would give you know like club booking information or just like the local like Berkeley or San Francisco papers or Sacramento papers, you know what I mean? You could see like the club and I would call the number and just like pester the, the booking agents, you know, like, Hey, we're a local band we want a slot, whatever. And they're like, well, that's, that's how we started. And we built everything like from the ground up that way. And, um, but on top of that, you know, there was this, there was a venue, um, in Vacaville, um, that was the Vacaville community center. And, um, we had worked out a deal, us and a group of friends. Um, there was a, a kid named Greg Patterson who was uh, who was also in a local band. He was he was heavily instrumental in, in setting up. We we all kind of came together as a as a collective, and we convinced the community center to let us have shows, to let us have like punk rock shows at the community center. And originally they were just in like a like a um, a trailer, like uh, your portable trailer, like you know portable classroom type trailer. But um, so many kids started showing up to those shows that they let us in the main room of the community center. And then pretty quick after that, we started selling out the community center. And that was about 700 cap. So um, even though, and you know, at that time we started doing short runs, you know, all around California, Northern California, dipping into Southern California and just like, you know, building a following and a fan base. But we always knew that we can, we can guarantee at least, you know, we could sell out the community center. So we started bringing outside uh, tour, outside touring bands to come play with us at the community center. And some of the bands we had through were like Snot, Incubus, System of a Down. Um, man, there was a bunch. There was a bunch. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's kind of how, like, you know, like, so we were, you know, when we would bring those bands through, we were the headliner. Like, we would headline over them. So we... Um, we kind of kind of started getting some attention in that way, you know what I mean? And then, you know, we were putting out our own independent CD, selling our own merch, and we had sold like 10,000 copies, I want to say, of between our uh, full-length EP, I mean, our full-length record, which was called Old Friends from Young Years. We put that out in 97, and then we had two EPs after that. Uh, between those three, um, you know, releases, we sold like 10,000 records independently like not even like with a website or anything just like at shows out of the trunk of our car uh we would go to sometimes you know whenever there would be a big touring band come through town like either san francisco or sacramento uh we would go to their shows with a boom box with our cd playing and jacoby would walk up and down the line uh slinging our cd like playing our music and be like papa roach what the fuck five bucks Papa Roach, what the fuck, five bucks, and be like, what are you guys doing? Like, we're selling our CD, and I'd have, like, a box of CDs, you know, that we got made at Disc Makers, and uh, we'd start slinging our CDs to other bands' fans, you know, in the line to get in the show. We just nice, hustled, man. dude. 
Yeah, hustle. hustle. That's, that's what I was going to say, up. man. Hustle, yeah. key word. Going yeah. through, calling, pestering the clubs, persistence, and hustle. Yep. And it freaking pays off, man. You know, now it's too easy for people. And then they just get, they don't, you know, that was, the, that was the grind back in the day, the work. And then, uh, so then, you know, so then your name got out there and, and you guys were doing, you know, like very well on your own independently, but then when did they start kind of coming and like, all right, the labels are taking notice, you know, that we got something here. Yeah, man. Um, you know, like we, we had sent out, you know, EPs and stuff like that unsolicited for, you know, for, I want to say like a year or two, um, to different labels and never got any feedback or if we did get feedback, you know, like we sent stuff, we would send it to like, you know, epitaph and then be like, sorry, you're not punk rock enough. Or we send it to a major label to be like, sorry, you're not pop enough. Or we send it to like, you know, like, uh, I think even like we even sent it to like some hip hop labels, you know, because at that, you know, we, we were mixing the rock and roll, you know, rock and rap together, rock and hip hop, but uh, they didn't get it. You know what I mean? And um, so we just kind of figured like, we're just going to keep doing this. And like one way or another, we're going to make it like whether we're signed or not. Like if we're not, if we never get signed, we'll just do it independently, you know. But then we ran across this guy named Jeffrey Weiss who worked. He was an A&R at Warner Brothers and he came and saw us play in L.A., and he was like the first A&R that he saw us and he just got it. He's like, I get it. I, I see what you guys are doing. You know, I see that there's, you know, and at that time, like, um, you know, the momentum had, had started to, I mean, there was bands like, you know, like Incubus and System and all that, like they were, they were signed already and they were kind of like getting their careers going, but they were still small bands. You know what I mean? Uh, Slipknot had just signed and I think they released their first record on a Roadrunner. And they were kind of, they were more heavy, but they were kind of doing some of the things we were doing, like the same mixing hip hop and or at least rap, uh, even though their music's never really been hip hop, you know, and they had a DJ. But anyway, um, so there was like this movement, like this whole like kind of rap rock and what became uh it became uh known as new metal, you know what I mean? That was the name they ascribed to it. And um and then, you know, even before before that, uh, there was, I think, like the, I mean, if I, want, if, if I really think about it, probably the progenitors of the entire scene was probably Rage Against the Machine. You know, they really got it started, you know what I mean? And then there was um, Judgment Night soundtrack that came out that mixed, like, rock oh, bands yeah. and hip-hop acts. Remember that? That was a huge influence on us. And, uh, I mean, there's there's been, you know, we've all had our influences, you know, throughout the years, but those are the kind of things as far as like when this, you know, you look at like how the scene got built and then obviously you can't, you can't deny or ignore corn in the Deftones. Like those guys, you know, after Rage Against the Machine, like when those two bands came out, that's kind of when the world got, got introduced to this style of music. And then kind of the second wave was like, you know, us and system and incubus and, and all that. And then, um, so anyway, we, we, um, we were talking to this guy, Jeffrey at Warner brothers and he ended up, um, offering us a demo deal, which means that, you know, basically they give you a, they give you a budget and you go into a, a proper studio and record demos. He wanted like four songs. He's like, just record me four brand new songs and make them you know, make them great, you know? And, uh, so we went into the studio, we went in with Jay Baumgartner at NRG and we recorded uh, last resort dead cell, um, 
what was the other uh last resort dead cell and then two more she loves me not which ended up being on her second record and then one more i think thrown away was the was on that demo too if i'm i might be wrong but um we we delivered it to warner brothers jeffrey was really excited about it but warner didn't want to sign us and um so when we got that news we were you know we were kind of hurt but you know but also we had the attitude of like okay if we don't get signed we'll just do an indie you know we'll just take this demo and we'll release it as another indie ep you know and we made sure that we had the rights in the contract to be able to release it if they didn't pick us up but fortunately uh right around the corner there was this guy ron handler who worked at dreamworks records and he had gotten wind of the whole deal and he heard about it right as soon as the news came that warner um one or passed like he was like right there like he came he came to the studio and like come you know he, well, i think we were we were um actually i think the first time we met ron we were still mixing the demo he was already interested like he came down to the studio while we were mixing the demo and he's like all right like he's like we're like you know well we're doing this for this demo deal and he's like all right but you know keep me in mind you know and um yeah, when Warner passed, Ron was right there with DreamWorks, and we ended up signing with DreamWorks in '99. Scoop you up, yeah. Right, he, they were just right there, yeah. And um, nice. and it was, you know, it was that was the beginning. That was the beginning of you know playing big league ball, you know. And so after we yeah. signed with uh, DreamWorks, we went into the studio. We went right back in the studio with Jay at NRG, and we we began um, recording, you know, what became the Infest album. And then, and then you're off to the races, man. Like, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, I, I caught some of that, uh, that vice special. I think I talked to you about it after I watched it, you know, that you guys were on all just all about last resort, you know? And, uh, I mean, just how impactful that, how raw those like lyrics were. And then that, uh, how that, how well that song was put together and how well that connected with people. And, um, you know, I could see why that became a hit, you know, especially young, struggling teens, you know, dealing with stuff. Um, you hear that song, but today it's, it's funny. I don't know if I shared this story with you. Just like, um, you know, it, it, I mean, as soon as it comes on the radio, people know, you know, and yeah. uh, I was training uh, like a, a week or so ago. Well, no, this was uh, probably a month ago. Like I was telling you, um, you know, we got some actual like UFC fighters that train at my gym and stuff that I've become friends with. These guys inspire the hell out of me. Devante King Cage Smith fights for the UFC and uh, um, Marcus Crawford's MMA jujitsu guy that comes and trains. And uh, usually when those guys are there, they kind of play like the rap and stuff that, you know, newer artists that I'm not familiar with or whatever. And we work on, and there's no way I'm competing at their level, you know, so <laughs> I'm not trying to put that out there, but I'll run through my routine. They'll run through their routines and we'll, you know, I, they just inspire me with conversations we had and everything. But one time I remember we're all kind of lined up. Coach has us doing like a, this cool down or whatever to finish up. And all of a sudden friggin' last resort comes on, you know, and I look down the line and these guys are like, you know, and it was yeah. just like, it, it was just like, man, this song is like, it, it hits everybody, you know, everybody knows this jam dude, but Talk a little bit about what went into that, uh, you know, pulling that that song together. And, you know, like, I mean, I don't know how much you 
um, had to do, uh, well, I'm sure you had a lot to do with the music end, but like how close were you with Jacoby when he was writing those lyrics and stuff like that? And, you know, what yeah, was, I mean, all that yeah, from? we, we, um, I mean, you know, back in those days, you know, the, our, our band was, it, we were, we're like a band of brothers or like, even like, you know, like we were a crew, you know what I mean? So we were always together hanging out and whatnot. And the song's actually about uh, a friend of ours who had gone through uh, like a, a existential mental health crisis that was kind of, you know, spurned on or brought on by, um, by uh, he had used some psychedelics. Um, and I think actually, if I remember correctly, it was, it was uh, Jacoby and him, like they had, they had taken mushrooms uh, together and uh, Mark, you know, Jacoby had an okay trip and, and, and Mark, our friend had a, a really bad trip <clears throat> and it really, it kind of sent him into this downward spiral and he ended up uh, having to be, um, he had to be hospitalized. And um, so that's what that song is about. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the song's kind of written from our, from our friend Mark's perspective, you know, about what, what he went through. Um, and, uh, you know, when we were writing the song, it, uh, I mean, you know, we, we put a lot of care and um, a lot of our, you know, we're, we've always seen, or at least me, but I think I speak for the rest of the band at that time. It's like, you know, music is an expression of the soul or the inner self, you know what I mean? So as long as, you know, you're being honest and, and, um, and authentic, you know, with what, with what you're putting out there, um, you know, we always felt that like, you can't go wrong with that. You know what I mean? And that, that's kind of what the, um, the ethos that we carried with us, you know, um, you know, in the early days. And then I think, you know, I think it still lives on today in the band, you know what I mean? They're, you know, they just they just write songs about, you know, what what their what their experience is at the, at the time you write the song. You know what I mean? And at that time, like with that album, you know, we were young kids. You know, we were still kind of uh, angry and confused and trying to find our way in the world. But, you know, seeing that the world's a pretty fucked up place, we're just learning that, you know what I mean, as young, young gentlemen. And a lot of that energy made its way into the music and the lyrics, you know, especially on the first record. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so success kind of, you know, during that time, I mean, you guys are going through that, that, that self-expression you're just talking about, but then all of a sudden success kind of like came like at you quick. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, I know, uh, you know, I've heard some, a little bit of your story, you know, as I've, as we've gotten to know each other um, through the past year, but uh, like you want to talk about like, you know, what that was like, you know, just all of a sudden, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, you were uh, raised by a single mom and then you moved and started a new high school and just these experiences and music was like an outlet. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, boom, you're on these major tours and festivals and, and, and then, then what? You know, yeah. how, how, did, how did that, uh, you know, go for you? Yeah, well, um, for, you know, just to clarify, just to be clear, my mom was single for maybe the first couple years, my first two years. And then okay. she met she met my dad um, when I was around two. They got together and then they got married when I was four. And so I've had I've had a father, a father figure 
in my life, you know, since at least two years old, but that's, um, you know, so yeah, my dad's always been there for me, you know, even though my biological dad was never there. Um, he's, he passed away when I was, uh, like a, a teenager and, um, never really got to know him, but, but I've had a dad there for me and, and that that's huge, man. I, lo- I love my folks, man. But anyway, I just want to clarify that part of the story. So it was actually my dad's job that moved that relocated from, from LA to, to Vacaville. That's the reason why we moved. And, um, and oh yeah, what was the question? It was about like going from being like an average middle class kid to yeah, to all know, of a sudden you know your big big rock star lifestyle and festivals. Yeah, and stuff. you know, I mean, it's weird, man, because um, you know, it's something that I always dreamt of, but then um, then it when it actually happened, it was you know, it was almost over. It was just overwhelming. Everything was happening so fast. It was like lightning in a bottle. Like when it really took off. Like when our record came out when it dropped in 2000 uh and then the, especially when long uh hit the when the video hit uh mtv like it it it, it really just kind of it started you know it got a little slow start and all of a sudden it was just like boom like it snowballed and next thing you know like we're on trl and like we're touring with corn like for our first really big tour was the warp tour in 2000 and we had actually started off uh, the first day we were booked on the second stage. We were supposed to play the whole the whole tour on the second stage, and um, so we played the first date in Fresno, second stage. So many people were crammed in front of that stage, and and uh, pushing forward that they broke the barricade. They, had, they only had like a wood barricade set up, and so here we are playing on like the whatever like side stage, like Vans, you know, truck truck bed side stage or whatever, and they broke the barricade, and then it was total chaos you know it was it was anarchy and uh, kevin lineman was like you know what we're gonna we're gonna move you to the main stage you know so the next show literally that that same week we only played one show on the second stage and then literally the next day they they brought us up to the main stage and by the end of the week or i want to say maybe yeah maybe like a week or two later they bumped us up the rotation so much that by by the first couple weeks into the tour, we were like one of the three headliners. So it was like, it ended up being like, uh, no effects green day. Um, and I forget who the other headliner was supposed to be, but we were brought in. So it was like us, no effects and green day. Um, we're the top three bands every night from, from there until the end of our run on the tour. So that was something that like, you know, obviously like, I don't think anybody was expecting that to happen, but you know, it was, it was just one of those things, man. It happens, you know, sometimes. And uh, and I think I was I was listening to someone was telling me about an interview that they did with Kevin Lyman, who's the the owner of the Warp Tour, and he was like, the experience of Papa Roach having Papa Roach on the tour and what happened with them gave us an education in what to do with a band that's going through that. And it's happened. I think he said it happened with like a Bench Sevenfold later and Fallout Boy and like a couple other bands, but until like, until it happened to us, like that was the first time that he'd ever seen anything like that happen. But then after us, you know, it, then they knew they had an infrastructure in place for how to, how to go through that, you know, for whatever that means, you know, pretty, yeah, pretty somebody, crazy. somebody's got to be the first, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, I know we talk a lot about, you know, things that we go through and then, you know, where our mindset's at sometimes, but it's like, 
how it ends up being, uh, you know, uh, our experience ends up being somebody else's hope later, you know? And, uh, yeah, absolutely, so, man. Definitely, uh, <laughs> there's definitely different I, forms of that, you know? I mean, dude, if you really, you know, if you want to, you know, like for us success, like, I mean, it took us seven years. We always say we're a seven year overnight success, right? So we spent seven years going from garage band to, to, um, independent, you know, artist, you know, like making, you know, doing our own business, but then we got signed and then it's just pandemonium. It's like, everything's happening all at once. And like, you know, we hit all of a sudden we're one of those bands and like it went from playing, you know, being going, going around on tour in a van to a tour bus to a really nice tour bus. And all of a sudden, like we're getting flown around on private jets and it's like limousines, penthouse suites, like all any and all of it. Right. Yeah. And it happened so fast that we didn't really know how to get ready for that. But um, I think we found we found our legs as much as we could um, fairly quickly. But, um, you know, my experience is that uh, the rock and roll lifestyle is kind of what what, you know, especially like um, after, you know, after we did the second record, after we did the first record and we started working on the second record, that's kind of where where that lifestyle kind of started show, rearing its head, you know, in an uglier way, you know what I mean? Like maybe we're all, you know, drinking a little bit too much or messing around with some of the other, the other goodies that rock, you know, that, that, that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, lifestyle has to offer, you know, and, and, um, yeah, man, it ended up, it ended up having a, a huge impact on my life. You know, I think, I think, uh, even some of the other guys in the band, you know, too, but that, that's for their, that's their story for them to tell, you know, I mean, I could tell you what happened to me though. Yeah. 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 And that's like, uh, you know, what's kind of been our bond together, you know, as friends this past, past year. Um, but, uh, you know, I know it got to a point where, it, you know, for you and, you know, I, you know, I don't, <clears throat> I'll let you tell your story if you want to, but, you know, it, music's going on music's still a part of your soul today and everything but your time with papa roach had to come to an end and then um if you want to touch on a little bit of that but i um and then talk about what your relationship is with them today yeah okay um yeah so i made four records uh you know four uh major label records with papa roach like the first four albums which was infest love hate tragedy getting away with murder and the paramore sessions um those are the four that i did with the band my last record was the paramore sessions and as i said like as as uh the lifestyle kind of started rearing it's the ugly side of its face you know what i mean uh and then at the time um i was also going through a breakup which was really difficult i started relying you know leaning more on on outside you know, outside substances and, and, and that kind of stuff, you know, um, as a, as a coping mechanism, um, to deal with that. And, uh, basically I'll just tell you like this, by the time I was doing the Paramore sessions, I was really fucked up. I was in a bad place. Yeah. I, I don't want to candy coat it. Like I was really fucked up. And actually people were telling me like, dude, Dave, we're actually really concerned for your, not your health, but even at this point in your life, like, you know, you can't continue like part, like you can't go on partying like this hard, like you're going to fucking die, dude. You know? And I was like, 
cool bring it you know what i mean yeah um and um uh right around um 2007 after we put out that record we headed out on, on tour for that record and i was struggling struggling out on the road and i came home and um i kind of went on this uh i uh I became kind of a recluse, you know what I mean? I mean? We were like on this break in between legs of the tour and, and I just went and, and stayed in, inside my house and basically just did drugs until I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, couldn't, I literally could not put any more in my body. You know what I mean? That was, I went to my limit, but it was, it was during that break that um, I finally had, you know, the, the, whatever, the moment of clarity where I realized like, dude, I really need help. Like, you know, because at that, at that point, like it, it became a true addiction where it was like, I didn't even really want to be doing it. I was just doing it, you know, and I couldn't stop. And so I, um, I rang up Jacoby and I was like, Hey dude, I think I need to go to rehab. And, 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 and the team got together and, and they put me in a facility and, and I, um, went to a 30 day treatment and I tried to, um, come back to the band after treatment, but, being so new, new in, in sobriety and in recovery, I just didn't have the tools yet. You know, like I thought I could do it, but being out on the road, it's a tough, it's tough on anybody. You know what I mean? Whether you're trying to be sober or, or whatever, but, but it made it hard for me to, to hold on to my sobriety. And I ended up relapsing while I was out on the road with them. And I came home again. I had to, I had to get, you know, I had to take a knee again. And um, they had brought out Tony, who's who's with the band now. He's their drummer now. They brought out Tony to to fill in for me while I was in rehab. And then when I had to come home again, they brought Tony out again. And um, that was in 2007. And right around Christmas of 2007, I get a call from Jacoby and Tobin. And they're like, hey, can we come over to your place? You know, and they came over to my house and they kind of sat me down. And they were like, you know, I think... I think, you know, we've, we've had a band meeting about it and we're just going to like, we're going to move on with Tony, you know what I mean? And my reaction at that point was like, thank God, like, because I was at a point in my life where I was like, I don't know how to make this work anymore. Like being a rock star and being on the road and trying to stay sober. And it was too much. And I didn't, I was like, I, I had actually pitched the idea of, Hey dude, can I just like sit this record out and come back? back on the next record maybe we could do something like that you know what i mean but um yeah the decision was made dude like i i um i ended up leaving the band and it was kind of one of those situations where it was it was it was mutual but amicable you know what i mean uh at least i thought it was i mean shit shit got a little bit weird between me and the guys for a few years it got a little i don't know there was I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, it's not anything uncommon or unnatural. I mean, there's people who leave bands and never speak to their, their former bandmates ever again in their entire life. Fortunately, that hasn't been my experience because, um, after a few years had passed and time had, you know, we had the opportunity to let time heal some wounds. Uh, we reconnected, you know what I mean? And, and we, and a lot of it came from the things I learned in recovery and doing my, um, working my, um, my recovery for, for my, my health. I was like, you know what? Like I owe these guys an apology. So that was kind of the start of it. You know, I kind of came to them and apologized for, you know, a lot of the behaviors, you know, that I had, uh, I had 
you know, I put them through, you know what I mean? Uh, especially in my last days with the band. And that was the beginning of like a, 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 re, a rebonding of our, of our brotherhood, you know? And so today, like we're, you know, we, we all love each other really, you know, we all love each other very much. Like, dude, I love Tony. He's like, you know, he's, he's in the band now. And our relationship is like, it's a healthy relationship. You know what I mean? As opposed to there's like, there's, there's just, life is too short to hold on to resentments or ego or whatever, any of that kind of stuff, man. We just got to like get back to what matters. And that's, that's, um, you know, having a healthy, positive relationship now with your brothers, you know? And, um, yeah. And I mean, that's, not, that's the beauty of, uh, this, this program we're in together, you know, and in this journey. And it's just like, I, I love hearing, um, and seeing the, the, you know, especially cause like you said, there's so many that just like to this day, they can't even stand each other and don't talk. And there's so much bitterness and resentment. It's like you still have everything, but you're angry and holding the grudge about yeah. this and that. And it's like, it, it's so, such freedom that, that we get to live under now. And it's like, we said at the top of this thing, man, we, we bring God in, into the relationships now with us, you know, and yeah. uh, it's good to hear, man. Um, I know, uh, you know, I, 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 and those guys are going to be out hitting some festivals are going to be hitting the incarceration here in Ohio. So I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing them hopefully connecting. I think they're uh, coming through. I think they're coming through your hood, at least pretty close. I think they're playing either Cincinnati or, or Columbus or maybe it's yeah. Cleveland. Where, where are you at? In Cle- I'm, in, uh, I'm in Cleveland, in- but I think they might be in Columbus for, uh, yeah. which is like two hours away. And then that they're playing that incarceration festival, which is in Mansfield, which is like an hour away. And that's by cool. the old Shawshank. Uh, oh, Shawshank, yeah. From Shawshank, the reformatory prison. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. That's pretty. It'll be it'll be a sight to see, man. It'll be pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, man, but, if you can make it out, man, go go to their show, dude. They got a sick, a sick live show happening right now. I've seen seen some of the, the video on uh, like on uh, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. definitely. Definitely in, in the plans, man. Yeah. But, uh, so, you know, and, and, and it's good to hear you, you know, you, uh, that you were like almost like grateful because you knew that you needed to, to build your foundation for your own mental and physical health that yeah. when, when they released you, it was like, you know, it was like, you felt like, thank you. You know, honestly, like, yeah, it was like a, it was like a weight off my shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now, uh, I mean, like the guy that I know today, you know, like you say, I always, when you called the other day and I got in my slump and I might, you know, have some, some time in, but it's like, we need each other. We need each other to, to help refocus. We need this, this brotherhood to help like pull our heads out of our own asses at times. You know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the guy that, uh, you know, I'm friends with today, man, that I could call anytime I'm in a, in a slump and the same with you. And, you know, a lot of, it's funny how, how the relationship came together, but that's a whole nother podcast episode, you know, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, let's talk a little bit now about, you know, where you're at today, what you've been doing. Uh, you got that, the, uh, the daylight division project you've been kind of playing with and stuff yeah man yeah dude uh i got this i got this thing we're doing um 
Well, okay, I'll tell you about it's called Daylight Division. And uh, we had originally formed in 2009. And it's uh, me and Marcos from POD, right? Marcos Curiel, Joe Leffler from Chevelle. And then the singer is Lucas Rossi, who uh, many of you may know from, he was um, the winner of the Rockstar Supernova show. You know what I mean? He he was the vocalist. He there was like an American Idol style show where it was like uh, Tommy Lee and and Jason Newstead and I forget I think Gilby from Guns N' Roses. They had a band they were putting together. You know I don't know if you guys remember this, but anyway, he's the kid that won that show, and that's actually where I met Lucas. I went to a taping of the show and we met backstage and we became fast friends and and he's been one of my best friends ever since. You know, but in 2009. Uh, we had put this project together called Daylight Division. And um, and we originally, were, we intended it to be kind of like a super group. You know, we were shopping the material, the labels, and, you know, getting, working, you know, the building up the infrastructure, getting agents and, and all that stuff. And we were going to do it big, uh, or at least planning on it. We were working on it. But then, um, but then Marcos, he at the time was not in POD. He was out of the band at that time. And uh, just as we're getting things fired up with Daylight Division, you know, Marcos gives us a call. He's like, dude, P.O.D. asked me to come back to the band. And we're like, well, you can't say no to that. You know what I mean? Like, you could roll the dice with this thing or you could go back to what you know is, you know, is going to be fruitful for you. So we're like, all right, man, we get it. So we kind of put it on the back burner. But, uh, you know, over the years, we've just had like this material. We've got like an EP worth of songs that uh, we always talk about, hey, man, we should just put out that stuff, you know, just to just to have it out there, you know what I mean? And even if uh, even if we don't tour on it or, or play, we may, I mean, we may or may not, it's, it's still all up in the air. We're trying to work everything out, but we may or may not, like, show up and play, you know, play a show or something like that at one point. But at this point, we're just working on releasing the material, and we'll probably throw it up on streaming services and – We'd like to do a, a, a vinyl, you know, like a special edition, like 12-inch EP vinyl. Uh, that's what we're looking on, working on. So, yeah, dude, that's um, – I'm excited about that. It gives, you know, it's like I'm just excited for another one of my babies to, to, to be born. You know what I mean? Like here's yeah. the stuff we created. It's like such a shame, like when you have like these songs and they just sit, collect dust, you know, on a hard drive on a shelf somewhere. You know, it's like that's – you know, nobody wants that. Like, we're proud of this stuff, so we want to put it out there, you know, to the world, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of getting one of your babies out there and stuff, man, you're getting ready to, to tear it up on the uh, the high school talent show uh, circuit, I think, too, right? Dude, I got a big gig tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Uh, for those of you watching, today is uh, March 10th. Tomorrow on the 11th, I'm playing my, my stepson's high school fundraiser talent show so we're playing awesome. it's uh it's me and a couple kids from the band at, at school and i think one of the teachers and her daughter are going to be the vocalist we're doing joan jet i hate myself for loving you and uh pretty much it's going to be a throw and go because i think we're going to have maybe a, like a few minutes to run through the song before we before we take it to the stage so uh, i'm here at home working on my in my studio on my electronic kit practicing to uh practicing to the song and uh and we have like maybe a, a few times to run through it and then and then the then the lights the big lights the big show it's gonna be awesome yeah. dude i love it 
See, that's the kind of stuff that I get to do today that, you know, back in the day, either, you know, it's just, I know, I, I just see like so much of my life is for the blessings that they truly are, you know, and I'm grateful for it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, imagine if, um, if I didn't have my, my stuff together and I wasn't living a sober life or a grateful life or a spiritual life, you know, I couldn't appreciate these things that I get to do today. And, um, I know it's important to, I know it's important to the kids and I know they're trying to raise money, you know, for the school. And, and that's, if I can be of service in that way and, and have, have a little fun and play some music while I'm at it, then that's, that's a win for me, dude. You know? Totally. And that's why, you know, I wanted to bring that up because when you mentioned it during our conversation the other day, I was like, you know, I mean, this is what it's about today, man. You know, it's just like, uh, giving back, you know, what we went through is part of, you know, like I said, somebody else's hope, you know, our experience is somebody else's hope. And, and, uh, you know, just, man, you, on all the shows that you had played back in the day, all the freak, this is going to be one that's probably going to mean the most in your heart, you know, being up there, sure. you know, sure, man. doing that because of where we're at, man. And I love it, man. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. And then uh, it was funny too, because you said you're here and you're with your electronic kit and you're listening and you're getting ready and playing, come a long way from the Walkman, right? And learning right. Bonham and stuff, you know? <laughs> right. So I like how it all, you know, comes kind of full circle now and stuff. Um, so, you know, I wanted to ask you, and we, you talked, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the guys, but like there's been um, a lot of acquaintances that, people would have in, in the, in the music business, but not a lot of like real legit friends that, you know, yeah. are like brothers today. Um, and you mentioned you ha you have a few of them that you've been blessed with that you still get to walk with. Um, care to talk a little bit about some of them? What? We just want me to drop names. What? <laughs> well, oh, I mean, excuse me, what? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, like, you know, aside from the Papa Roach guys, you know what I mean? Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot, I, you know, I know a lot of, um, I think the majority of my friends who are, um, you know, who I still keep in contact with, or even new friends, you know, who are also in the business, you know, they come from, um, I know them from recovery, you know what I mean? And, and, um, and, and there's, you know, usually sober guys, that's the kind of circle I like to keep around me these days. Yeah. You know, I don't spend a lot of time. I don't spend any time out like at nightclubs or bars or, or anything like that. You know, that's just not my world today. It's not my concern. You know, I'm family guy. I, you know, I have a household to look after and, you know, I want to lead by example and, and, and set a good example. You know, it would be, it would be meaningless if uh, I was telling my children, you know, like, Hey man, you know, you know, stay off the drugs and booze, you know, and, and, but if I was still, screwed up myself you know what i mean it's like you know yeah, yeah. i i tell my I share my story I with not as i do you know <laughs> yeah you know what i mean that would that would be that would be pointless and hypocritical you know i i share my story with my kids i'm like hey look you know like this is what i went through and you yeah. can i mean you're you're i mean it's your life it's your you're the one you're the master of your own destiny but if you can learn from my story and maybe that guides you away you know, from that kind of lifestyle, you know, or, or whatever. I mean, I'm like, look, man, I can't control who you be, what you are, or who you become, because it's your life ultimately. But let me share my experience with you so you can at least have a, a layout of the minefield that, you know, it could potentially be. 
Yeah, for sure, man. And that really hit me because it's like, you know, I try and do the same with my daughters, you know, they're young women now, you know, and I just try and like, you know, um, thank God, you know, I mean, I got sober when they were still fairly young and we did have, you know, uh, for the most part, a normal, um, well, I mean, (laughs) anyway, you know, I mean, as normal as can be, you know, there's been a lot of just, I mean, like you said, blessings of just spending family time. I mean, I know I love following what you're up to. You're always out doing something with your family, with your kids. Just went and saw the new Batman and all that that cool stuff you get to do. Yeah. It's like I was doing that with my daughters, but now they're like not into the comic book stuff with me anymore. So it's like, uh, you know. But you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get it all in right now while they're still young enough that they want to hang out. You know what I mean? Like our oldest is in – he's graduating high school this year, so – you know, it's it's not lost on in me and my lady. You know, like we know that pretty soon he's gonna he's gonna want to kind of just go live his own life. You know what I mean? And and that's right around the corner. You know, and then you know um, our youngest. You know, our, our our younger boy. He's he's just about to turn thirteen, and he's you know he's definitely a teenager. You know what I mean? And so, but he's still. He's, you know, he's, he likes to hang out on discord and play, play uh, video games with his friends online and be, do the discord thing. And, um, and, but we still get him like, he'll, you know, we still get him like, Hey, let's go out to dinner. or Let's go do this family thing. We try and get the family together as much as possible because we know time, you know, time flies by real fast and pretty soon it's, you know, it's just going to be me and her, you know, at the house and, and, you know, the kids yeah. will be doing their own thing, dude, starting their own families, you know, eventually, you know? Yep. My youngest is a senior right now in high school. So it's just like, we're going, you know, going to be prom dress shopping. I went through all that with, with the oldest already. And it's just like, you know, I know what a big deal it is, especially for young, young ladies, you know? And, uh, but yeah, they're already showing their independence and not wanting to hang and stuff. So it's like, just look back on that, that time. And hopefully I laid a good enough foundation relationship. And thankfully through recovery, I have been able to become stable enough to be that person where they're like, we want to come talk to dad for the deep stuff, you know, when we're, when we need to talk to somebody. So I'm definitely grateful for, uh, you know, this journey and all the people that, you know, I've been able to surround myself with, uh, you especially being one of them. Um, now I know, uh, you know, I, I ha- I'm going to have to cut out here in a little bit for an appointment, but, uh, before we get ready and start wrapping up a little bit, cause there's so much more stuff I know we can get into and talk about, but, uh, let me ask you some of the questions that I normally ask guests that I have on. The All right, let's time. go. What do you got? Let's see. Is there a particular song? over the years that uh, has been become like a go-to that you felt has really inspired you. Like when you're going through any, any type of thing, man, you just put it on and it's just like, it kind of lifts you back up and takes you on that journey. Dude, there's a few, there's a few comfortably numb by Pink Floyd is one. And uh, it's really weird, but uh, uh, the pyramid song from Radiohead, is one of those it's like a particular song that i'll just throw it on when i want to if i want to trip out like it's trans very transcendental for me because i don't know i don't know where where it sends my mind but wherever it is it's where i need to go you know what i mean if i need to 
when I need to let let the mind, you know, let the mind uh, go where it does and um, and just step out for a minute. And then usually when I come back, it's, you know, I'm a lot I'm more centered, you know, it's, it's a meditation, you know, for me. Um, yeah, that and there's like there's some records like that, too. There's this record from uh, Sunny Day Real Estate called The Rising Tide. And that's another one of those records for me. Like, yeah, the whole actually and the whole amnesiac record from Radiohead and then Rising Tide from from. Um, yeah. Yep. Nice. And then, you know, Watch the Throne is actually a great record, too. Yeah, there's so many records, dude. But yeah, <laughs> like, dude. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Jesus is an amazing Jesus from Kanye, dude. Got a shout out, dude. I love that record. That record's dope. Nice. A lot, a lot of the, a lot of the songs on that record don't have drums, so I'll like throw it on, uh, on my electronic drum kit and play along with this. I'll put drums to songs that Kanye didn't have drums on. <laughs> nice. Maybe there could be a collab down the line. A re, re hey man, you never know. Kanye, <laughs> talk. To me. I'm looking at you. I know you're watching this podcast. Let's work. Let's work together. <laughs> and uh, who are like three people who've inspired you or you can credit for making you the person you are today? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, definitely my parents. You know what I mean? So that's two. And then, um, I mean, there's a lot, man. There's a lot of, there's a lot of influences. But... I'll just keep it right in the family circle, man. Like my aunt Allie, dude, she, she changed my life. You know what I mean? Music with, with music, my mom, my mom and dad too. I mean, you know, like, um, they've always supported me and in my, in my musical journey and my endeavors, you know what I mean? They were never like, ah, you know, my parents, uh, they actually got me my first drum kit, you know, when I was, uh, 12 years old. Um, so like they, they've always just been so supportive and my aunt and, uh, and her family have been so supportive and they really like just through their, like their guidance and their, you know, um, their parenting. I mean, like they really, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the, the, the foundation of like the person that I am, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, uh, favorite toy as a child. Favorite toy as a child was, um, was the uh, the Robotech stuff? I don't know if you guys remember. Like Robotech had a series of toys too, but also I used to really dig Star Wars and uh, GI Joe. So those were like my three. Yeah, yeah. And maybe a little trans, maybe a little Transformers too. Transformers were awesome. I know Star Wars still plays a big role. I mean, you got R two right behind you, and we've we've talked dude, many I, times about Star Wars dude, and the lightsabers dude. and everything. Yeah, I got a frick. I got a freaking Darth Vader helmet, life size, <laughs> life size movie prop. Like that's that's one of the that's the helmet they use for Episode Three. So if you want to know, I'm a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I got R2 behind me. Oh, and I got yeah, <laughs> uh, I got my one one six scale Vader. He's like a little two foot high Vader. Yeah. yeah, I remember when you first started showing me pictures of that that setup that you're in your little studio there, and I was just like the Buck Star man is getting ready to be fully activated. Love That's it. right. That's right. <laughs> it's my it's my home office. It's my uh, refuge when I need to uh, when I need to come in and meditate. You know what I mean? Um, my my computer monitor. I have like a dual monitor set up, and one of them is a TV, so I can 
come in here, watch movies, play PlayStation, work on music. It's it's my like my man cave office. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. uh it's my spot. It's my one spot in the house that's all me. You know what I mean? My lady decorates the rest of the house, and we all share the rest of the house. But this one room, this is all me. I love it. Yeah, yeah, dude, I dig it, man. Um, and then uh, any message that you have for our military members currently serving overseas? Oh man, I just want to thank all the men and women um, serving in the in the in the armed forces, and um, I have I have quite a few friends that have served or. Um, you know, um, my my cousin, my cousin's uh, son is acting. He's serving right now. He's in the Navy, and they have him shipped out to. Um, I think he's in in um, somewhere in uh, in Asia. So, um, but I just yeah, I know that we're going through trying times and uncertain times, and things are getting really scary really fast. You know, especially right now. But, um, you know, I have every every bit of gratitude for all, you know, everyone who served. I mean, and even I don't know now we're we live in a different age. So I don't want to just say men and women because that leaves out other 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 people. So uh, to everyone who is who's serving in, in the military currently or has served before, I just extend my greatest my greatest thank you and gratitude because uh you know, you're the reason why we get to enjoy the freedoms that we have, that we do get to enjoy here while we still have them. But that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, like I said, there's so much more I definitely wanted to talk to you about. I'm glad, you know, God came in the room and let us get this part at least out of the way. So I'll hope, you know, definitely laid the foundations to have you back on at another time. But, uh, Cause I wanted to talk more about you know, rock Buddha and, and all that. But, uh, um, but if people did want to like support some of the projects that you're working on and what you're up to now, is there anything you wanted to plug real quick? No, I don't have anything. I mean, working on this daylight thing, but we're, we're a, a few months out. It might even, we're trying to get it out by this year, but, um, but it might, it might even take, cause you know, I want to set everything up correctly and make sure that we, you know, do have all our ducks in a row before we release it. So that way it, everyone has the opportunity to enjoy the music and find it. But um, I, it's not out yet. I wish it were. Maybe we should have did this interview. We, I got to come back on the show when yeah, I'm dropping are. Daylight so that I can plug Daylight. But as of right now, uh, my big gig right now is the, the talent show tomorrow night. So that's, if you want to come out to the, the, uh, the talent show tomorrow night, you're more than welcome. Come on out and bring, bring a donation for the senior high school class trip. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll definitely have you back on again, Dave. Thank you. I'm glad we were able to get this first one done out of the way. And uh, I know we'll be keeping in touch and and everything. Uh, But uh, like one last favor, why I got you on before I let you go, you mind cutting a promo ID for the show? Yeah, let's do it. You just introduce yourself. You're listening to today's boondoggle. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave Buckner, and you are listening to today's Boondoggle. Yeah, awesome, brother. Man, I'm glad I'm glad it worked out, and uh, we'll definitely have you back. And, awesome, uh, thank you. And you know, I see you almost every day. You know why? Yeah, yeah. We got, exactly. we, got we got a you know we got a thing we got a thing we do. It's our thing. It's our thing. So I, I get I get 
get to see you and talk to you many times during the week. And, and, and thank you for, uh, for being a brother, bro. Nah, thank you, man. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah. All right, brother. I'll talk to you. Peace. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Suffocation, no breathing. Don't give a fuck if I cut my arm. At the Ohio State Reformatory, July 15th through the 17th, with corn. Disturbed. Breaking Benjamin. Evanescence. 
Papa Roach, Lamb of God, Seether, Falling in Reverse, Three Days Grace, I Prevail, Black Label Society, and many more. All passes on sale now at incarceration.com. Before we, we left for the golf, we, we, the, longest the last reserve meeting uh, before we went to the golf, alive. and we're at that oh, no. club, and we're drinking, and then we went to that other bar, and we're drinking and drinking, and we're all screwed yeah, up, man. I was ripped. I don't Fort know how day, I made it. Uh, Doug decided he was going home. Well, he got pulled over by the cops, and... Apparently, yeah. yeah. You, remember, you said you got pulled over, and then the cop said, "You know, you told him the story. We're going to activate it." So the cop followed him home, and Doug says, "You know, I'm going to show this guy I'm not as drunk as he thinks I am. I'm going to back the truck in the driveway." He went right over the mailbox, and I looked over at the cop, and he went, "He looked at me like." <laughs> so I'm out there at like three in the morning what trying to straighten the mailbox up. Fast, Jim, what the fuck and I go in the house, Daddy's sleeping. It's going to be the, 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 the fastest, shortest wedding known to man. Next morning, she wakes me up and she goes, Get up! Somebody hit the mailbox! And then we're watching the whole thing. All right, when kids coming out of the high school. That was a secret for like five years. And then it came out at a party one time when we were at. Oh, yeah. I don't know who said what, but it came out. I bet you didn't expect to see me there. I was like, Well, to be honest with you, no. <laughs> yeah, that guy, I'll tell you what, man, he felt sorry for my father-in-law. He goes, I'm going to follow you. What'd you do? Here's your license. Go straight home. I just said, I'll show you, man. I'll I can back this thing in. Right over there. I'll show you. That's funny. I'll Shit, show I, you. I remember. Thank you for listening to another story time from the VFW Hall, brought to you by Today's Boondoggle. Thank you for listening once again to today's Boondoggle Radio Show. Please be sure to check out our website, DomainCLE.com or Today'sBoondoggle.com for more shows and check out our archives. Follow us on social media at Today's Boondoggle on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for more information about this podcast. And please support us on www.anchor.fm forward slash today's boondoggle as well as on our GoFundMe and Venmo. Be sure to subscribe, comment, download, and listen to us on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, and all the other podcast platforms out there. Please email us with any questions, suggestions, and comments via todaysboondoggle at gmail.com. Leave us some five-star reviews and help spread the word. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for tuning into this week's Today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news and information, and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for supporting, sharing, and tuning into today's Boondoggle.